0: Psychology of sport is something Joel and I are both fascinated by and something we've been trying to cover a lot lately. Obviously, last week we spoke to Mark Segal, who was really interesting, telling us more about the mindset of elite football teams. This week, we want to stick on the same theme of the mentality of athletes, but have a look at another sport, and instead this time have a look at the mental health of athletes who are disproportionately impacted by mental health problems compared to general society. So we think it's a really important topic to cover, and it's the sort of discussions we want to be promoting on this podcast.
1: So today we are really excited to have on Alicia Blagg, who's had an absolutely mad career and has achieved so much at such a young age as an Olympic diver for Great Britain. To set a bit of context to the discussion, Alicia is the same age as Cam and I at 23, but whilst Cam and I spend a worrying amount of time still at our parents' gaffes, Alicia has gone to two Olympic games, won a Commonwealth gold, medalled at European Championships and has been national champion a number of times. As well as the physical success, In her sport, um, Alicia has always been quite open about talking about the pressures that success at a young age can bring and how she dealt with these pressures. And it would be really good to chat to someone who's always used their platform to promote
0: positive conversation about the mental side of sport. (laughs) I sort of wish you hadn't listed her achievements like that, mate, because it's quite depressing when you compare it to what I've achieved in the same time frame. Like I was complaining about doing GCSEs while having to play a few cricket matches on the side yet she genuinely did her GCSEs while training for and competing at an Olympic Games it's just mad how she's managed to balance all of that but that's why I think she's perfect for this podcast because she's had the pressures of competing at the highest level and dealing with terrible injuries all at such a young age And she's completely open to talking about it all and all her experiences as an elite athlete. And she just hopes that by talking about it, it might help someone. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to her, mate.
1: Yeah, no, 100% mate. And I think that finding out about the nature of diving as a sport as well would just be so interesting. Like we do a lot of pods, you know, on the mainstream sports and on football, but everyone would agree that when the Olympics is on watching diving is, it's just a sick sport and it's terrifying as well. Like that walk up to the board, you know, you've got the whole crowd, all their attention on you. You've got the TV pressure. Yeah, it's so scary. So to be able to deal with that at 15 and do so well is literally fair play to Alicia. For anyone who is listening at home, we're recording this at 8 p.m. on a Friday. And little Cami, who I'm doing this with, works a week, bless him. So we need to crack on. I always get a bit nervous at this point before they get on Zoom, but right, we've got to do it. So let's go for it. I think this one should be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's go for it. Thank you for coming on, firstly. It's such a pleasure to have on a sports person like you who's done so well in their field, but at the same time, Cam and I are obviously in admiration of what you've done in terms of sort of raising the profile of a discussion on the psychological side of sport and mental health relating to sport. So today, I think if we just go through... Your career, you've obviously, although you're only 23, you've obviously had sort of a 16-year career already. Um, If we go through that career and some of the psychological battles you may have had and how you're able to deal with them, and then hopefully that will resonate with sort of other young athletes out there and be able to have similar conversations like this. So if we just start with stuff that's happening at the moment, obviously in the last week or so, you made quite a big announcement. So how does it sort of feel to be officially retired?
2: It's weird. I just never thought that I would be retiring at this age obviously I'm only 23 and like you say I've had a 16 year career which seems really long but for like a lot of athletes they usually have a lot longer career so I mean it was like a huge weight that lifted off my shoulders kind of thing Um because it's it's been playing on my mind for a little while because I've just had so many injuries the past several years and it's just you know I've tried to get past it and get better and you know and it's It's just gotten harder and my body just couldn't really take it anymore. So I think like, you know, when the time's right and the time's right now. So big weight on my shoulders.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is. And after a career spanning 16 years, I'm sure you're also looking forward to a little bit of time off now. But you retired just over two weeks ago. Now you've had those two weeks to sit back and reflect on your career. What would you say the main highlights have been?
2: Oh there's been so many I think for me it was London 2012 like having to like well having the opportunity to compete in a home Olympics I was like only 15 but it was just like you know not many athletes get to do that at all and it's just such a special special time and also the other one was probably the Commonwealth gold that we won um, in 2014 me and my synchronized diving partner Becky Gallantry like it was just so unexpected and i have been battling with injury throughout that time. So, you know, we didn't really expect it. I mean, I nearly didn't even compete in the event. They nearly pulled me out because I couldn't, you know, couldn't dive properly. But winning that goal, that was just, that's probably the highlight of mine and Becky's uh, synchronised diving career together. So that was pretty cool. But there's been so many.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I guess with you, that's the thing. You've had such a long career already even though you're only 23 and sort of it must have been full-on from the age of seven you haven't had a break yet really so what is it like being so young and sort of being put in the limelight a bit and having to deal with the pressure of elite sport at such a young age
2: when i was younger i didn't really think anything of it because it kind of just like in my mind it was like well i want to be a good athlete so i guess this is just how it goes but kind of things really picked up like picked up when i was like 13 and i think i was the double the youngest double national champion or something and you know in my mind that wasn't anything big but for other people it was it was huge and then obviously me and my synchro partner got paired together when I was 12 and she was 25 so it was just like I kind of guessed like it didn't really hit me then when I was younger but like I look back on it now and I'm like oh my god (laughs) like I was just like how did I stay so calm about everything and you know it's I don't know it's like that was you know I really think about it now and I'm just like you know If that was me now, I would not have been able to handle it and like overthought everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that's the benefit of being young is you sort of have that naivety and you can kind of relax because you don't think about stuff as much as you would when you're a bit older. Exactly. In your Insta post, when you announced your retirement, one of the things I found quite interesting you wrote was like in making the decision, you said you've been listening to your body, but also your mind. And I think you've spoken quite openly about some sort of mental troubles you've had along your journey in diving i just wondering if you could tell us a little bit how that sort of manifested itself and what sort of caused those problems.
2: Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I never really fully understood the way that I was feeling because I, I think I was feeling that since the age of like, I knew something wasn't quite right and that was in 2014, 2015. So I must have been like 16 or 17. And I never really like, oh you know, I didn't feel great in my head. I didn't, you know, I was like kind of demotivated. I was tired all the time and... I was having so many ups and downs and obviously all the injuries along the way like really had like a huge effect on me but it wasn't fully until I like moved to Miami I tried you know I I thought moving country and moving to a new place kind of would solve everything and obviously like I'm living in Miami like I'm gonna have the best time ever but like it was kind of in like 2018 I kind of really got to grips with everything and started seeing like a psychologist and like a psychiatrist to fully get to grips with everything and you know, it's not been an easy ride, like, you know, being put in like the limelight at such like a young age, like it really, you know, I didn't think it, like I said, I didn't think it at the time, but you know, after a while, it kind of does take a toll on your mental health. And like, you know, you're always wanting to be the best and live up to these huge standards that everyone kind of puts for you. And, you know, after a while, you kind of just slowly breaks you down. And I think it got to the point like in 2018, where I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, You know, like I would struggle getting out of bed, like, you know, having to do my day, like, I just wasn't looking forward to anything. Like, and it was just really hard. But until, like, I fully understood what was going on, like, I actually did have anxiety and depression. And they put me on medication to help me get back to, like, you know, a good level of, like, you know, mental health. And then I decided to take myself off the pills and start working on self growth and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, Still have my good and bad days, but, you know, I'm leaps and bounds better than I was, like, what, six years ago?
1: Yeah. I guess with starting so young, you're probably made to just think that, like, this is what I've got to do. It's all part of the journey, all that sort of stuff. You maybe bury a few feelings and then, yeah, when something like an injury happens or a big change in life, it probably all gets let out at that point.
2: Exactly. I mean, you know, like, it kind of started when I broke my wrist in 2013. That was, like, seven years ago. And this injury lasted me for like four years. Like I had like constant in cortisone injections. Like I had steroid injections in my wrist. I think I had eight or nine of them in two and a half years just so I could keep, you know, when my wrist would hurt, they would inject me. And then I would have to like take some time out of the pool and then I'd have to work my way back up again. And then the same thing would happen like three four months down the line. So like all of that ups and downs, ups and downs, like constantly for like two years, like you know i kind of just put it to the back of my mind i was like this is what i have to do to be up there with everybody else and like you know i'm a professional athlete this is my livelihood like i guess this is what we have to do but like you know after a while it you know like he just said it just slowly starts creeping up on you all these feelings that you've pushed to the side and it kind of just kind of just explodes so that was like hard
0: i think that's one of the things with sport is there's so many highs and there's so many lows like you're talking about you've got gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, you've competed at the London Olympics. You've been to Australia diving. So there's so many highs traveling the world and winning events. But then there's also so many lows as well, like, as you say, experiencing those terrible injuries. So that's probably why it's so mentally draining. Is just going through that sort of roller coaster of emotions of highs and lows. But talking about your injuries, how have they impacted your mental health and your mental strength? What, what sort of things played on your mind whilst you were injured?
2: I mean, it's impacted it hugely. I think like, you know, if I didn't have all these injuries, I'm pretty sure I would still be diving today. You know, I could work on my mental health and I don't think it would be as bad as like, you know, if I didn't have these injuries, but like, you know, like I just said, it was like the constant ups and then downs and then ups and then downs. And then I finally got my wrist better while I was in Miami and I was like, things are looking up. Like, this is great. Like I can finally, you know, focus on my diving career and getting better in my education and I was really excited and then like last year I tore my labrum in my shoulder which was my the reason why I've had to stop because like I had to get surgery on it and it's still like you know I had the surgery and a year and a half later a year and a bit later it's still like horrific like that's the main reason like it is like the the injuries coincide with the mental health and you know it's just like a constant like back and forth back and forth kind of thing.
0: I think that's one of the things with injuries is because you've had so many and you get over one, like you've had your wrist injury and you get over that, you do all the hard rehab. And then suddenly, once you're better again, you get another one like this. Exactly. It's quite hard to stay motivated after having done all that rehab and then going back to square one. It's pretty tough.
2: Exactly. I mean, for me, it was like I was just in such a bad state and I was just like, I would look at it as like, why me? like I would feel sorry for myself. And I'd just be like, this, this is how my life is. Like, you know, like, I guess I'm just prone to injury. I guess I'm prone to these like shit things happening to me. Like these bad things happening to me. And, um, you know, it kind of just, I would kind of dwell on it. Whereas, you know, cause I'd had it for so long, all these injuries reoccurring and stuff like it got tiring after a while. And I was just like, I guess this is just how it's going to be. And, you know, it was, you know, the, it was just horrible. Like, I just wish it would have been different. You know, I I do look back on my career. and I'm just like, I made sure that I looked after my body. Like I made sure I ate the right things. Like I made sure that, you know, I did the rehab, I did the recovery and I guess I just have a body of glass and it's just not meant to be.
1: (laughs) It must be the nature of the sport as well. I mean, a lot of people watch diving on TV, but I don't think many people realize how much of a strain actually puts on your body
2: oh no, like people just, you know, I've had people come up to me and like, oh, like I could do that. I could, you know, flip through the air and just land in the water. And it's like, okay, well, could you do like the countless hours in the gym, in the weight room, you know, in the pool, like, you know, the, like the speed that we hit the water at, like, that's how I broke my wrist it was like the impact. It just shattered my bones. Like, it was just like, you know, people don't think like, you know, how, hard it is on your body like a lot of divers have a lot of issues and if you don't have any issues and injuries you're, like you're very very lucky
0: <laughs> yeah and it's a lot of long hours you have to put in training and in, in the gym especially at a young age when you've got with your friends socializing you've got to remain exactly. pretty dedicated it's, it's quite tough
2: yeah like going through high school like that was kind of very like hard for me because that was when my career kind of like started to take off like i think i was in year 10 year 10 yeah year 10 when i went to the olympics in 2012 so like, it was like the year before my GCSEs and like, you know, you, you're growing up and like all your friends are like going out and like going out on the weekends and spending time together. And you do try and find that balance, but like, it was just so hard because it's some like on the weekends, I think on Saturday we'd be at the pool from nine till five every all day training and doing weights and just living at the pool. And obviously during the week, like I'd do school in the day and then literally get out of school, go straight to the pool until like 6.30 at night. And come home and do some homework and you know it I look back on it now and I'm just like I don't know how I thought that was like normal and okay but obviously like you do what you can to try and be the best and you put all those sacrifices and hours in and stuff and you know I'm happy that I did that but you know it does kind of take your childhood away from you.
0: I was complaining about doing GCSEs that I didn't have to train for an Olympics as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it was a lot and then obviously I went to College. I went to University of Miami, and I was able to dive and still do school. But like those four years, so I, I just got back from Miami. Like I think I'm nearly a month ago now, and I finally graduated. and I got my degree, but that was grueling. Like you know, I'd be on campus all day from like eight to like twelve-hour days. I think I'd like have two practices. I'd had three classes in between all these practices, and I'd go do weights. And it, you know, it was just like again, it was just the normal thing to do you know, we'd complain all the time that we're tired, but, you know, I got a full scholarship and I'm there for a reason. So I had to, you know, keep putting in that that hard work.
0: Something I've always found interesting about diving is like, obviously you do these crazy twists and turns and all sorts, but how do you actually practice that? Like when you get onto that board and you know you've got to do a certain turn, how do you know that you are going to be able to do it?
2: I don't know. Like... Like when I like think back, like obviously like we spend um, hours in the gym, we call it the dry land. So in the dry land, there's trampolines, there's like the diving boards, but onto like crash mats. And then there's a, like a bunge, you know, like those trampoline things that you see with the bungees on. So we have one of those, we call them rigs where like, you know, you're in it and then your coach. is like with this other, like the rope at the other side and like kind of like pulling you in the motion of the actual dive. So like, it's kind of like when you're learning a new dive, that's how you kind of do it. You do it step by step. So then like you do it in the dry land and then you go into the pool and then you'll start on the lower boards, kind of working your way up. So you do like a dive and then you do a somersault. Then, you know, it's step by step kind of thing. And that's how, you know, you, it takes so long to get to the top with all these hard dives and difficult dives. Cause obviously when you're a young, young diver, you're going to be, starting off doing like the easier dives and then you know throughout your career you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get braver. You're gonna have to, you know, and that's kind of where it separates like the great from the good because some people can't handle like doing these new like dives and stuff because it is scary. It goes so wrong too. Like, you know, people I've hit the board with my ankles a few times. Like, you know, I've seen people hit their hands on the board, head like, you know, it's like it's really unpredictable. Like you are like hitting the water. I think from the 10 meter board, I think it's like 60 miles an hour. Like you're hitting that water.
0: You don't want to be belly flopping at 60 miles per
2: hour. No, no you do not. I'm telling you. That's why I stuck to the three meter springboard because I couldn't even stand on that 10 meter without wanting to throw it because it was so high. Like not for me.
1: No, hundred percent. And what was sort of, I was obviously trying to find out a bit more about diving before doing this. And I was reading about how the wind's quite a big factor. And obviously people have seen like pictures of, I don't know, in Barcelona, for example, them doing high jumps. And is that not a massive worry, the wind?
2: Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you saw in Rio, but obviously during the Olympics, it was kind of their winter time, Um, And it was freezing. So in like some of the events, like they had to, you know, they had the backdrops and stuff and they had to punch holes in them because the wind was so bad and it was going to knock over everything. So, I mean, like for an outdoor pool, it's like a huge huge factor like if that wind is blowing like it could send you off onto poolside you know what I mean when you're jumping on the board and especially if you're on a platform trying to hold a handstand like you're just on your hands like and this wind yeah it's like it's crazy so obviously when I was in Miami we trained outdoors for four years and oh some days I was just like I don't know why I'm here because it was just like it's so annoying because it just, it really does like, especially walking down that small springboard, you know, one wrong step and you're, like I say, you're either on the pool side or you're, you know, all the way down the other end of the pool. And it it does, that's a huge mental game too. Like when I was in Miami, that really put my mental strength to the test because it was just like, it's it's there. Like you're not exactly going to be able to just walk out of the pool and go home because it's windy. Like you kind of just got to get on with it.
0: It's crazy how many things that are at play in diving that are going to play on your mind. Didn't Tom Daly have something called lost move syndrome where there was like a, a flash in the crowd and it made him mess up a dive and then he just could no longer do that dive because he had a mental block or something. It's just mad.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, I had a mental block. When I was like, I think I was, it was 2008. So I think I was nine or 10 or something. And it was the strangest feeling. Like you, you know, like like the same with Tom you just can't go. Like you stood on the board and like in your mind, you're just like, how do you do this dive? And you just physically cannot go. So, I mean, like there's just so many things that people don't even think about. And diving's great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 100%. Like it is fascinating. You get things in cricket, like the yips or, or in golf where, although you've been playing the sport for 20 years, you literally forget how to swing a golf club and, it's so weird how the smallest thing, like a camera flash, can set it off. I think that's just fascinating.
2: It is crazy, you know, like I can't believe that happened to Tom and bless his heart, like still to this day, like he still can't fully do that dive. And it's crazy how something so small can just trigger that. Like the mind is, is a crazy thing, isn't it? Like just trying to like, you know, be a psychologist and try and help that. Like I don't understand how you would even start with that, you know, it's crazy.
1: You've said about the US, you've said that they're maybe a bit more open and talking about things like mental health. Why do you think it is that they might be a bit more open over there?
2: I guess like as soon as I got there, you know, we were offered a a psychologist and my coach made me go see a psychologist every week. But also like for me, like British Diving also, they provided a, a psychologist for us too. But I just guess like everyone's at that age in college where you're going through like, oh my god like I have I'm going to graduate I need to find a job like and obviously all the athletes so everyone like kind of you know as athletes they were more open to talking about it and everyone could kind of relate and was going through the same stuff like you know I think on my team there was like three or four girls and we would all just like at least have a cry in the the locker room at least three times a week like you know we'd just all break down we're all struggling so it was like you know in that sense it was like having people there my age like you know, we seen each other every single day. We knew what we were going through. And so that was kind of like the good thing about it was, you know, we could all sit there and talk and, you know, mental health, you know, it's slowly becoming less of a taboo kind of thing, which is great. You know, more and more people are talking about it and, you know, but yeah, I mean, having friends my age over there just kind of was great.
0: It seems like in the US that they are more open to talking about that sort of thing. Whereas in this country, it's almost it is a bit taboo, like you say. And I think particularly with athletes, they're meant to be strong and have no weaknesses. They don't really want to talk about having a weakness like that, even though it's not, it's not a weakness.
2: Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like when I was, you know, back in the UK, before I even left, it might left to go to Miami. Like that was when I was going through really hard times. And, you know, I just, the kind of environment, it was just like, I just didn't want to bring it up and I just didn't want to like, you know, make it known that I was struggling because I just wanted to like come off strongly. But, I had like a, a great opportunity when we were at the Commonwealth Games in Australia in 2018. I think I got to talk to some sort of uh, newspaper. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe the Telegraph or the Times or something. I'm not sure. But I actually like shoved mental health down her throat. I was just like, I've been struggling for so long, like, and I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore. Like, so like there was a really good article like a few years ago about the struggles that I've had. And a lot of people like actually really enjoyed it. So that was kind of when I first was like, you know what, I'm going to be honest here and just tell you know everyone how I'm feeling because it's normal. Like and you shouldn't have to be ashamed of, you know, that you actually are struggling. Like it's okay to talk. So, you know, doing that, kind of progressing like my Instagram, there's been a few posts where like I've wrote about like, you know, my shoulder surgery and how like I was really struggling through it. But like I'm, you know, coming out on top and I've worked on like making sure that I'm, you know, working on myself and talking to other people and, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's important, isn't it? The more people like yourself talk about it, it's just going to encourage other people to talk about it and then it becomes more normal in society to chat about mental health.
2: Exactly, yeah, like, that I think people should just, you know, I know, like, some people might want to not talk about it because it's very personal, but, you know, if you are struggling, I think it's it's good to at least approach somebody or try and do something about it because, you know, being on the other side of everything now, like I look back on, you know, 2014 Liz, like she was really struggling and now I'm here. I'm just like, I've come so far and like it does really, it does get better.
1: Mm. I think the, the sport of diving and divers in general seem to be seem to have done quite a lot to speak about mental health. I was obviously reading about stuff that Tom Daly has said in the past and how he's coped with certain mental health aspects. So do you think the nature of diving as a sport is one that is likely to sort of, impact its athletes negatively mentally. Watching a dive, it seems like you're up there. It's not a team sport. The attention is all on you in front of so many people and it's those a sport based on really fine margins. So I'm sure it must be something that impacts a lot of divers.
2: Oh definitely like you say it's I mean it's not a team event other than like, you know, if you are doing the synchronized diving which is with one other person. But I mean you are up there and you are doing it alone. And everyone says like I didn't realise this until I kind of got to college um that how mental of a sport it is. Like, you know, like it's, you know, it's not like it's a cardio, like, you know, you race to the finish line and you've got time. It's kind of like you have to go through the dive in your head. And like if you're not mentally strong enough to do that, like, you know, if you're dabbing yourself stood on that board saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, it's not gonna go well. And for years and years and years, like I would do that. I'd just be so scared. I'd like, you know, really talk myself out of it and it wouldn't go well. Whereas like I had a teammate who, you know, in Miami, who, you know, he had bad injuries too and he wasn't really training that much, but he would get on the board at a competition and because he was so headstrong, he would win every time and he'd nail his dive every time. And I was like, how do you do that? Like, you know, it's very mental in that aspect too.
0: You've done quite a lot of synchronized diving, haven't you? That's where you've had a lot of your success, but that must be quite challenging as well mentally because although you're with someone which is quite nice you have the added pressure of if you make a mistake that's going to impact your teammate as well and that's quite mentally daunting isn't it
2: horrible like you know when you mess up like and they do a good dive like oh god worst feeling ever you're just like oh god you know it's not as bad when you both do a bad dive but when you like you know I think it was in 2016 Rio like my synchro partner had a great competition and I just kind of just collapsed in on myself and I just didn't dive very well and oh god I just didn't stop crying for like two days after that because I was just like I just felt so guilty it's like you know you're taking away like the possible success uh, yeah it's a diving is a very mental sport and I'm you know I'm kind of glad now I'm retired the more I talk about it because if you told me go back up on that board today I would be like no nah, I'm fine.
1: <laughs> Tom Daly said about the importance sorry, of like being mindful. And he's obviously said about when he's on the board, there's obviously some breathing techniques and stuff that he can do. Is there anything that you did to be able to cope with the pressure of doing a dive?
2: I would talk to myself a lot. You know, I'd like have little chats with myself, just breathe, like everything's going to be fine, like, you know, try and, you know, calm down. And then you kind of have competition routines that kind of keep everything, like, you know, if you have a good competition or you do a certain competition routine, like, I don't know, like I'm sat listening to music, then I'll get up at the, the diver and do it like it's kind of like um like suspicion like kind of thing like you know if you do something like kind of like that too but yeah I mean like for me it was kind of just calming myself down and not trying to get too worked up and you know breathing and you know if a dive didn't go well you have to let that go like that obviously that took me a while to like realize I would really dwell on a bad dive and then the rest of my competition would go really badly so it was kind of like you know you have to move on and you know keep trying to do better
0: I can't even imagine what that feeling must be as you walk to the end of the board and like it's sort of silence, but you know, there's thousands of people there watching you and you just know that you're about to jump off it.
2: It is horrible. Like, you know, like I would think about it, I'm like, you know, the first dive that you do, it's completely silent. Like, especially in like the Olympics, like, oh, standing on that board in London, it's all just a blur now. But I just remember just standing there and just like looking around and being like, oh my, like 15 year old, like I shouldn't be here. Like (laughs) I of want to go home. <laughs> I guess because there was no pressure on us at all because we were such like kind of a new pairing and obviously like I was so young. I was more telling myself, my God, just enjoy this, like suck this up. But obviously, you know, it was just a shock and it was scary. But, you know, I think I remember having the time of my life. Like there was no better feeling than like hearing the crowd cheer like when it was our time to go. Like it was, and we were the first event too, like that had like of the Olympics of the diving. So that was just so special.
0: And it is that sort of fine margins thing that Joel was touching on. It, like, like if you turn slightly too much at, and land at the wrong angle, that's going to cost you points. And like just those small margins affect everything.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's just such a precise sport. Like the judges are watching every single thing, like the, your body language on the board, like your posture, like everything has to be like in like perfect kind of thing. And like, it's just, you just spend hours and hours and hours, like making sure that you perfect everything. And obviously like on the day, like it might not happen and that's okay. Like it's, you know, it wouldn't be normal for you to, you know, go up there every single time and like nail the dive for like tens, you know, like the Chinese do, like they're just robots. Like it's like insane how like good they are, but they like live at the pool. They literally dedicate their whole life to the pool, like to diving. So You know, whereas we kind of, you know, as much as it might not sound it, but we kind of had a life (laughs) compared to some of the other divers in the world.
0: Quite interesting, you're you're talking about you're going to do a master's in criminology and forensic psychology. So clearly you've got quite an interest in psychology and also you've talked about it on here and previously quite a lot. So do you think that, obviously, aside from your work in, in the police potentially, do you think you would maybe think about helping athletes with on a psychological level as well?
2: I would love to, you know, like if I full on, you know, we'll see down the line, you know, where life takes me. But, you know, psychology has been something like I've always been interested in. Um, But obviously for me, it's kind of like the crime side, like why do people do what they do? But, you know, like being able to talk to athletes and sit down and, you know, kind of relay like of what I've learned I think like down the line maybe that might be something that I might be interested in too because you know I hate to see people struggling and I always want to try and help so yeah I think that would be something that I would be interested in doing too
1: yeah we had a podcast with sports psychologists last week and even over the last few months or so doing this podcast I think sports psychology is so fascinating and it's definitely something that has come on a lot have you seen it come on in the last 10 years or so over the course of your career
2: I mean, definitely like, you know, my synchro partner was telling me that, you know, when she first started off diving, like there was nothing like, you know, sports psychologist readily available, like, you know, on the phone or even like, you know, to come to the pool. And, you know, when I was growing up, you know, thankfully British diving provided like a nutritionist, like a weight coach and more importantly, a sports psychologist. And like, they would come on trips with us. You know, like they would be, you know, we'd travel to like Australia and it's a sports psychologists, like our sports psychologists would be there, you know, to help us, like, you know, check in every now and again. Like, and it was great to see that they're doing that and realizing how important it is because, you know, it is tough. But yeah.
0: It is good that it's come on as far as it has, but obviously there's still quite a long way to go in that field. What would you say needs to be done or what could be done to improve it even further?
2: Hmm. That is a really, really good question because I've thought about this. So when I was in Miami, I decided to kind of set up this student athlete support group, you know, and I I like said to people, like when I thought of this idea, like, you know, I was speaking to a psychologist and like, I was speaking to like kind of my coach, but like, you know, you don't really have the opportunity to like talk to an athlete one-on-one. Like I would go into like the training room, which is where we would get all of our treatment and stuff. And you'd see athletes in there, you know, and they'd just come out of surgery or like they're, you know, working on an injury. And, you know, you can tell that they're looking down and stuff and not feeling the best. So I came up with this idea of like, you know, having just all these athletes come together in one room where it's like kind of a safe space where everyone can just kind of relay their like, you know, how things are going, like what's going well that week, what's not. And it kind of, it definitely picked off, like picked up and like people. Like, I think I had like, 25 athletes show up to one session and it was just great like you know having that opportunity to like actually sit and talk to an athlete you know not at training or not in the training room it was just like in a room so I think like that's important that other athletes do speak to each other right because sometimes you feel like you're not normal you know when you're feeling down and you're not feeling good like and that was like my main thing like a few years ago before I left for Miami was you know, I didn't want to say anything to any other athletes because I didn't want to seem, like, weak. But I think, like, that would be a great start. I mean, the psychologists for us in diving, like, I can't obviously speak for any other sport. But, like, our psychologists, like, they've, you know, always a phone call away, an email. Like, they would be at every competition. And, like, even when I was in Miami for those four years, like, I would come back for the national events. And the psychologist would still want to try and talk to me and catch up with me and see how I'm doing, even though I've not seen her in, like, a year.
0: I think a big thing is social media and the impact that can have on people's mental well-being. I mean, it seems like sports people are sort of seen as celebrities now so that fans sort of objectify them and feel like they can just criticise them on, on social media without actually feeling that they're a human who might actually get impacted by that. (laughs) (laughs) so uh, what's your experience with social media and would you advise other athletes going through the sort of journey that you've been through to use social media or or do you think maybe it's best to avoid it
2: I mean for me because you know like you know I do have a a few followers on Instagram but I never really like got like Tom Daly level so like I did have a few people like saying to me like oh like you didn't dive very well that competition or something like that but I never really had any bad comments but you know obviously like travelling with Tom Daly and like seeing some of the stuff that he's had to like put up with like you know he's obviously come out on top of all those people saying everything to him but for me the social media platform was just like it was great like you know when i announced my retirement post like i didn't expect it to go as big as like you know as it did and it like that kind of just makes you feel good and obviously like you know when i was posting about my like surgeries and stuff i had so many people comment and support me which was amazing so in that sense like for me I, I loved social media because I had a lot of people behind me and like you know but you know I, I you know it's kind of hard if you're going to be like you know like you say a famous famous athlete because you know there's always going to be like critiques and like even at my level there was still some critiques but you know you've, you've just got to ignore them because they really don't know what they're talking about <laughs> because like you're the only one you know training those many hours and putting in all that hard work and you know like deep down how you are doing like they probably sat on the sofa watching the event like you know (laughs) criticizing you for just because you know they get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah there's obviously a lot of negativity on social media but it must be quite refreshing for someone like you who has obviously so many followers to especially over the last week or so have so many positive messages coming in.
2: Oh it's been amazing like I got very emotional I think last week because I was just I just didn't expect it all you know I've had you know, you guys asked me to come on a podcast and I've had a few other people too. And it's just been like great because, you know, I'm such a big advocate for mental health and, you know, getting that word out and being able to post that on my Instagram and be truthful and, you know, not just lie about the reason I'm retiring. Like I was able to tell my story and, you know, I even was on um, the news the other night. Like I had some news guy come to my house and come in the back garden and, you know, interview me for 30 minutes and just talking about everything. And it was just like, just so special and I just you know I'm so thankful that everyone's been so supportive because it's it's really it's not an easy decision. Like my you know my heart broke when I fully, you know, decided to stop because obviously the Olympics have been postponed a year. And I really, really, really wanted to try and get to that third Olympics. But you know, like I said, like I just I you know I can't even lift my arm above my head anymore. Like and you know with the sport like that's just not gonna work. So I think you know, I made the right decision and the smart decision because I want to be able to hold my kids when I'm older. At this point, like I can't even hold my dog. Like, you know, so I need surgery again at some point. And, you know, I just think it was time.
1: Diving as well. Like it is such a physically does take its toll on your body completely.
2: Oh, definitely. Like it's, it's not easy. Like, even though like, you know, my wrist and my shoulder hurt, like my whole body hurts, like, you know, my back is messed up, like my knees and everything. It's just like, Just for so many years doing the same kind of movements over and over and over again, like it really, like, and especially your mind as well. Like that was the huge thing for me was my mind was just physically like kind of burnt out too.
0: What would you say was impacting your mind so much? Was it the fact that you're having injuries or was it the pressure from competing at such a global level?
2: Well, it was kind of a knock-on effect really. So obviously when I would get injured, especially like my shoulder last year, it was just like, okay, well, I have this many months to get back. I have to do this many like many hours of rehab. I have to, you know, stay in contact with the head of British diving to make sure he knows that I'm still here and still wanting to dive. Like it was just kind of like once you got injured, like there was all these like knock on effects, like you wanted to be back, you wanted to be ready, like and then obviously like safe you got, like, I got back in too early. Like, I definitely, like, I was supposed to do my rehab for, I think a torn labour and recovery is, like, seven to nine months. And I think I was in the pool um seven and a half months in, um, just because I was, like, the Olympics the next year, like, I have to get back. And then my shoulder hurt again. And it was just, like, you're constantly trying to play a game of, like, chase. Like, it's just, like all these days and hours that you've lost while other people are training. And, you know, it, you just feel like you're slowly, slowly slipping away. And for me, it was just like, I want to make sure that people know I'm still here. And I was kind of kidding myself. Like, you know, I'd torn my room, I'd had this huge surgery and, you know, trying to get back to the Olympics in 2020 when I had my surgery in May 2019. It wasn't possible, but in my mind, I was just like, I can do this. And then, you know, I hurt my shoulder even more and tried to get back diving. And it was just impossible. It was an impossible task. So, you know, there's nothing I can do. I just, I gave it my all and it just didn't work out. And that was for me the main part. I was like, I don't want to look back on anything and regret it. So I made sure that I just did everything 150%. And, you know, if it didn't work out, I can hold my hands up and say I tried. So that was like the main thing for me.
1: It's just that unrelenting pressure, isn't it? Because when you're not injured, you're constantly trying to meet a, a score. And then when you are injured, it's constantly trying to meet a, a month or a week that you've told someone that you're going to be scheduled to get back. So you're just, yeah, as you're saying, you're just constantly chasing something.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's constant pressure, constant, like, you know, you want to be the best. Like, you want to make sure that you're impressing people. Like, you know, you want to, you know, stay on people's radars. And, you know, it, it's just 16 years of that. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And also I was trying to be the best in school too. Like, you know, it was just a whole combination of things that was just like, I was like, it was time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it must be quite good for you is obviously you could have not been as open as you have been about what you went through during your career. And it must be, you know, you can walk away from it knowing that you have been completely true to yourself and completely honest about, you know, the, the struggles that you went through. And maybe that can help someone else, you know, who's going through the same sort of thing or coming up on the same path as you.
2: I mean exactly like I you know I say like I'm a huge advocate for mental health and in anything like I'm so open about my life like you know ask me anything and you know I'll give you an honest answer because for me like being mysterious and you know keeping my personal life and everything else that's been going on to myself like isn't going to help people in the future like I want to be able to like help inspire people and you know hopefully help people too and that was kind of like what I've always wanted to do and to be able to like have the kind of smallest platform that I do have, like, you know, it's still nice to, you know, get my message out there and, you know, it does get better. Like it's not, you know, you've got to keep fighting, you know, and just be kind of true to yourself. And, you know, it does feel nice being, you know, so open and free about everything because having an impact on anyone, even if it's just one person for me is like huge.
1: I do think that the area you're going into and being a detective would be so cool, and it is something that everyone has like seen on TV and definitely wanted to do at one point. So, is that something that you wanted to do for a long time?
2: When I was younger, I actually wanted to be a physiotherapist, and then I started getting all these injuries, and then I was like, "Hell no!" I was like, "No!" Like, <laughs> I've spent too many hours, and like with the physio, with the physios and stuff, but we don't want to go down that route. But no, like I guess like it's something that I've always been interested in, and just always had a fascination for. And you know, all these Netflix documentaries about you know true crime and all that stuff like that's so up my alley. And it's just something that, especially at the University of Miami, like I just fell in love with because I did criminology as my major, along with sociology. And then I've always been interested in forensics and stuff, but I just obviously all that time missed from school, it was just impossible for me to try and even go down that route of forensic science. Like, so I'm kind of just, I kind of settled with forensic psychology and it's just something that I'm really passionate about and really excited to learn more about, you know, trying to get as many, you know, achievements as possible, which is why I decided to do this master's because, you know, I felt like that for some reason I was like, a degree isn't enough. I need to go get a master's as always now diving's like pushed me to always try and want something more but i've told myself we're stopping at a master's not going to try and get a phd because that's just silly like (laughs) it's time to actually get a job because you know i've never had a job because i've always been diving so you know i'm 23 and you know i talk to my friends all the time i'm like what's it like having an actual job like (laughs) what's the real world like
0: (laughs) jobs are overrated i'd delay it as long as possible
2: everyone's telling me they're like just go to school some more like
0: (laughs) keep studying
2: (laughs) go get another degree like but no i think i'm ready like i'm excited i'll get back to you in a few years after i've actually been in the real world and i'm like you know
0: please do and whether it's just a master's or a phd whatever you do i do hope you enjoy your retirement and enjoy your well-deserved time off
2: yeah right (laughs) all right well thank you guys so much nice to meet you guys
0: If you're one of the few people who's still listening at this point, thank you for (laughs) carrying on all the way through to the end. But you might be quite surprised to hear us carrying on chatting at the end of the podcast. Um, But we've been listening to a bit of feedback and people have been saying that it would be good to have a little bit of a wrap up at the end of each episode. So that's what we're doing here. Um, But yeah, I thought it was really interesting to hear about diving. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I knew loads about diving as a sport before today's podcast. But now I can genuinely say that I'm a fully converted fan. I mean, before I don't think I ever properly appreciated how much of a psychological challenge diving is, but now I can just see there are so many different mental aspects at play.
1: Generally, I think success in sport at an early age is, from like a psychological perspective is fascinating. And to hear about Alicia, who obviously had success so early on and hear about how diving is one of those sports that can put you into the limelight at such an early age was genuinely so interesting. So I thought that was class. Like 15 going in the Olympics. I was such a little weirdo at 15. I can't imagine going on
0: national TV and especially doing a sport like diving in front of all those people, actually mad. But for me, it's also like, I'm genuinely terrified of heights. So the thought of walking to the end of a 10 meter board and having to jump off and flip through the air genuinely scares me a lot so to have to do that combined with the pressure of competing at the olympics in front of thousands of people i mean i think it's fair to say neither of us would have had that in our locker
1: if you do enjoy what cam and i are doing or even if you don't enjoy what cam and i are doing um please do leave a rating genuinely one star to five star any feedback is much appreciated and can help us because we are just getting to grips with it at the moment um but yeah, obviously, We hope there's not that many haters because we're actually putting some effort into this and that would be pretty dead. Um, And on Instagram as well, at giving the game away. um, We are up in our work rate with the content on Instagram and we are going to give you some previews of some really cool projects um, that we've got coming up aside from just the podcasts. So thank you everyone and stay tuned for next few weeks.